This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Welcome to Offscript Extra Time. Now, we wanted to do something a little different with the final half hour of the show this evening, given that, well, these are uncertain times in sport. When will our favourite sports leagues teams return? Well, the honest answer to all of that is we simply do not know. Yeah, and with that in mind, over the course of the next few weeks, we wanted to highlight some of sports' larger-than-life characters, the moments that define them, not to mention relook at some of the enduring debates. Tonight, we take a little closer look at the polarising figure of Jose Mourinho. We're going to be hearing exclusively from one of his lieutenants, a man who by his own candid admission admitted that he owes his whole career to the special one. While Jose's star may be on the wane, an argument perhaps for another time, there is no doubt the Portuguese has left his indelible mark on the game. Before we hear what made Mourinho so special from none other than captain leader legend Chelsea great John Terry, let's just remind ourselves on how he announced himself to English football upon his appointment as Chelsea boss in 2004. It was funny because obviously all the players are watching that at that press conference as well, we're all texting each other, all phoning each other, going, oh, we could be in for it here. <laughs> but met him, the complete opposite, and he was like, he just wanted to get all the players on side. So he, he pulled myself and Lamps individually and then together, and then he pulled all the group together as well. Literally, like a full detailed um, slideshow of how he wanted things, how he wanted his players to be around the place, what he expected us, and what he expected from us individually and collectively that season. And again, I went from going back to pre-season or under new managers, just just kind of going and playing, really, going to train. With him, it was like he had a schedule. He had the, the first month schedule of going, this day we're doing that, you'll all get that schedule so you know exactly what you're doing. Tell your wives, tell your kids, so you can plan your schedule. A month Make planned sure, out in advance. A month planned out. But then you break it down, he knew what he was doing for the next three months, you know, from a footballing point of view. But day one of pre-season, we're probably a generation where you go in and get your trainers on and run around the pitch. Day one, he was like, no trainers, everyone put your boots on. And I was like, what's this about again? No one runs, we won't do any running. Everyone put your football boots on. And his fitness coach had the mindset of, you never see a pianist running around the piano, you see a pianist practicing on the piano. And it was day one, it just had a big impact on the group where something was different, something was, was going to be special. How, how quickly did he convince you that you would win the league that season? Oh, day one. Day one. Day one. I promise you. You were, you were instilled with a belief that you would be title winners that day, first day that he was... The first slideshow was... <laughs> the first slideshow. We are champions. Yeah, yeah <laughs> pretty much. It was a picture of the trophy. Was it? And really? you're not going anywhere further than that. It's, it, that image stays with you the whole season. That's what we, we're going to do this year. And it was like, again, no manager had ever done that before. And then you break it down. This is what we need to do to, to then go and achieve that. He was... He was doing what managers are doing today 20 years ago. Honestly, incredible. Give us an insight into those training sessions, John. What was it about Josie? Because I think it was Mikel Silvestri joined us on the show and he was travelling with Manchester United. This is a couple of seasons ago. And he said, and I'm not saying anything he hasn't said, Mm. that day one, defensive shape. That was the thing. Over in LA, it was defensive, it was defensive, it was defensive. Was that the case back in 2004, those kind of sessions? What was the emphasis on? Pretty much on everything. I wouldn't just say defensively. We was very well organised defensively and we worked on that. But it, also the attacking side of it. So we had people like Didier, Rob and Duff. But we also done a lot, a lot of attacking drills as well. So we had a good bat. The one thing he demanded from those two wide players, from whether that be Joe Cole, Duff or Robin, that they track back and work hard for the team. So he used to have murders with the players on a daily basis, on training, after games, half-time, 
for them to track back and help the team because they can do that going forward, but you don't see many players yeah. doing that going backwards. Yeah. Give us an insight in Josie, John. Was there a match, is there a week or a moment where it, it stuck with you, where you just look back at it now and think, that is utter genius? I know Roy Keane has been uh, you know, quoted <coughs> in the last week or so. He says that Fergie, but, and he, he also said Brian Clough as well, Ooh, what's he going to say here? Mm. And then he said they got it absolutely yeah. spot on yeah. all the time. Is there a match... Any moment that you can maybe share with us where you think, yes, that stands out to me. Josie there, it was like standing applaud that man. Pretty much, and no word of a lie, pretty much every game. Honestly, you, you, we was losing 1-0 at Stamford Bridge, which was under, we had that record at Stamford Bridge for so many years. And we're walking down the tunnel going, oh, it's going to go off here. He's going to go berserk. Come in the tunnel and it's the calmest he's ever been. We was woeful the first half, honestly, we was terrible. Come in, he just knelt down started like talking about formation listen don't panic we've not been great this is what we'll do we're going to win the game 3-1 if you do this so go and pressurise him let the other centre half have the ball he's no good on the ball we worked on it yesterday we've not done it and it was so calm and it was like we went out there we battered and we won the game 3-1 and there was just moments like that in foot where you go he could have easily gone the other way but didn't and just knew when to go which way and the other way. And he had it, he had it to a T. O- overall, John, was he more likely to go the hairdryer teacup route or was it that calm exterior? What, if you had to kind of push... Yeah, he, he would go more hairdryer stuff. He would. Yeah, for sure. But he also had the other bit because I think if you're like that all the time, you've then, you can't then go to the other place. Mm. If you fluctuate between the two, I think it's a good place to be. And he, he had it. What was it like when he returned to the club? I think six years after he left... His first spell, he came back in 2013. What was that like? And as a shot in the arm for, for the Chelsea team, what kind of effect did it have? Well, for me in particular as well, it was uh, so Rafa had just been in charge. I was out of the team. He'd come out publicly, Rafa, and saying my kind of legs had gone up, finished, and, and told the club pretty much that as well that my time's up at the club. I was in Portugal at the time, in, uh, having, having dinner with my wife and my kids, and I get a phone call from Mourinho. Taking over, I'm back in charge. It's going to be announced. You're my captain. I love you. I need you to be on it. And I was like that at dinner. I was having a glass of wine, just about to order dessert. I was like that. No wine, no dessert. I want water. I was up the following morning doing two, three sessions a day, making sure that when I went back, but he made me feel I went from probably being lost in that year under Rafa to then knowing that I had the trust of, of the manager. And, and that no, extended he, your career by four years? A million percent. He, he, he was my career. I owe him so much, honestly. What he done for me personally, give me the kind of authorisation to kind of lead the way I wanted to lead on the pitch and replicate the way he was in the dressing room and around the place. It was excellent. And, and he would be texting you random times. You'd be out shopping with the missus or sat uh, in the bath or whatever else you were yeah. doing and you'd get a text from him. You'd be sitting there watching TV going, oh, you're watching this, it's brilliant. It might be a comedy sketch on TV or something. You'd be like... Yeah, brilliant, but you're having kind of a two-way conversation and you go back and then it just stops. That's it. And you go, he's not replied. <laughs> what have I done? Go in the following morning, he don't speak to you. And you're like, oh, did I upset him? Or so you check your messages again and then you come in the next day, puts his arm around you, how was last night? How's, how's Tony and the kids? All good, how's their football? Come and sit with you at breakfast. Two days later, he won't acknowledge you. Honestly, incredible. But again, what he'd done as an individual going... I need to go and impress him every single day. And he just knew how to press my buttons, Lampsy's buttons. 
And I think what he had with that is knowing that if he'd done that with me, Lamps, Didier, Peter Cech, Ash, Michael Ballack, Michael Essien, the big character, if he'd done that with us and we was out every single day, the other players who yeah. wasn't playing every week, they had one place to go and that was to match our standards on a, on a daily basis and they had to do that, which then you then drive. You drive and push people on. So you could sign any defender, but if he comes in, he don't work as hard as me and Carvalho. You're not playing. But just on that though, John, because our accusation that has been levelled against Josie is that because you don't know quite ever where you stand mm. and you're right to say he'll message you, how's the kids? Mm. Next day, <laughs> he's blanking yeah. you. With that though, mentally, oh, if you're not robust, I would imagine that could be a bloody nightmare to deal with that. And, you know, the, the accusation has said that he's, he's three-year cycles, the siege mentality, what he demands of you mentally will ensure that the cycle comes to a kind of more natural end. Is that fair? No, I don't think it's fair. Uh, that's just the way he is. He's a winner. And pretty much, if that's a small-sided game, he wants the players to be out frying themselves in front of balls, getting injured in training if you have to. And, and kind of that winning mentality is a must, whether it's a small-sided game or possession. He wants players out every single day. And in my generation there, I see people like Salah, Kevin De Bruyne kind of come through and not being able to, to match his standards at the time. Now, they was very talented, but very young individuals as well. And, but Mourinho didn't have time to put them in the team or take out a Duff or a Robin because we was winning every single week and his job's on the line. Mm. So, like I said before, if you come in and you're 10%, 20% below the standard of Duff and Robin who are scoring 20 goals a season each, you're not going to make that team. No chance. So, fair play to them. They've gone away elsewhere and proved they're good enough. But at that present time at that football club, they wasn't good enough for Chelsea. Kick back then as John Terry reveals the secrets of Mourinho's abilities and success, starting with what he and the rest of the Chelsea dressing room made of Jose's grand entrance some 16 years ago. And we had to ask, had he changed? No, not really. Still no. very much at it. And it, even after the conversation you have with me in Portugal, so day one of pre-season, we're, we're starting a session and me and Gary Cahill on the ball. We kept giving the ball away in midfield. <laughs> he stopped the session going, you two have been rubbish basically with, with a few other words you two have been rubbish if I have to go and spend 50 million each on two centre halves I will do if you two don't like this is day one of pre-season and me and guys looked at each other and like wow give it away again like five minutes later stop the session like he's looking at his game we just signed Fabregas Diego Costa but just what that done for me and guys was like we didn't need livening up but all of a sudden we set the tone of that session yeah. so now we're going around me and guys are smashing everyone flying into tackles it's all become a little bit aggressive and maybe Jose being being the way he was probably come back going these lot think they're, they've made it they're, they're, they're too comfortable in their role and it just the level of training went from there up to there again and that's just by pushing buttons but again at the end of that session he come put his arm around me and went that's why you're my captain you know and that just lifted me and still gives me like goosebumps now sitting there How do the two sides that won the title under Jose. You spoke about Diego Costa, Eden Hazard coming in as well, Sesk. It was an unbelievable side as well. Mm. How did it compare to the, the first Chelsea side, 0405, that did the double? Yeah, probably probably slightly more technical. Sesk come in was, was excellent. Uh, Diego was a, was a complete handful, wasn't he? Uh, a nightmare to play <laughs> and train yeah. against. On, on and off the field, yeah, I'm sure. Like, yeah. But a, a really good lad. We had a really good group. I think that, that first year, 2004 5, is the best for me. But we still, I look at that team, that was some of the football we played. I don't know if you remember the goal at Burnley. Oh, Sesk yes. ran the corner to Sherla. Yeah, 
unbelievable football and some of the passes that he see had a relationship with Diego that every time he got it, Diego would just be on his bike. And when you're in training, you pretty much know what's coming. So the ball from Cesc is coming without looking around the corner. You still can't stop it. Fascinating insight there from John Terry. And there's no doubt you get a greater appreciation, Rob. And I know we've all got our views on Jose Mourinho now. And I know you, for one, believe that he is no longer the special one. But when you listen to John explain what made him so special, you can tell that, my goodness, what a football manager he was and perhaps still is. Yeah, his list of achievements rank among the best that any manager in the last 30 years have has put together so you've, you've obviously got to give him an enormous amount of credit I just think that he's no longer the force of old and he doesn't have the players at his disposal yeah. Jose was always you know getting the players when he came into Chelsea the John Terry's the Carvalho's the Didier Drogba's the Frank Lampard's the Michael Ballack's big characters great footballers and all of them were very attuned to Jose's style. So it was a perfect marriage. Whereas I think nowadays his negativity is, is, is not such a... Uh, at least his sense of negativity and the fact that he likes to blame others, that he likes to sort of poke and, and prod and, and try and sort of you know, unsettle. He's, he's, a very, he's a very caustic and he's a very sort of um, combative personality as Jose. And I just think he robs, he rubs some players up the wrong way. It was interesting. We got those thoughts from John back in November of last year. We spent an hour. Incidentally, that interview is up in its entirety up on YouTube. Whether you like John Terry, whether you are a Chelsea fan, I do implore each and every one of you to watch that. I did so again and not to pat ourselves on the back. I watched it in the last couple of evenings. Real great insight from a man in the, in the shape of John Terry who doesn't give many interviews and it was funny because just days after that interview Jose Mourinho was appointed as Tottenham Hotspur boss Spurs fans let us know if uh, you're happy with that appointment because there is something uh, the majority certainly the ones I talk to Rob it doesn't seem like a kind of proper or correct fit to me that. no it doesn't it really doesn't and I said when he joined that it would not be a fruitful union and at the moment it's not looking much like that he's been unlucky Harry Kane's injury Hyungman Son of course becoming injured as well there was that early period where he really started to to, to reinvigorate Delhi Alley and we were all thinking hang on a minute maybe he is going to wave his wand and have a great effect over Tottenham Hotspur but well, who knows what's going to happen now with the football season hanging in the balance in the way that it is. But I just don't think, short of significant investment, which I don't think is going to come to Tottenham Hotspur, Daniel Levy would certainly suggest otherwise. I just I don't think Jose's got it in him to, to create a team that's capable of challenging for the Premier League title and, and some of the trophies, the FA Cup, etc. I backed him on day one when taking over at that football club to win a trophy because he's done it at every club that he's been at from Porto onwards. So I've got to stick to it. I still think whether it's a League Cup or not, and we may not even have a League Cup next season, but that, of course, is a conversation for another day. I still feel he will bring a trophy to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. That is Jose Mourinho. As I say, over the course of the next couple of weeks, in these well unprecedented times, you are going to hear more, more of the stories of the individuals that we put up on pedestals. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.